Well, we're going to jump into the Word of God. Let's go to Ephesians, the book of Ephesians. And let's go to chapter 2, verse 4. It says, but God is so rich in mercy. Aren't you glad about that? He just doesn't have a little bit of mercy. You know, it's not like He gives one person a whole lot of mercy and He runs out when He comes to you. He's so rich in mercy. There's an abundance of mercy. And it says, and He loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, He has given us life when He raised Christ from the dead. It's only by God's grace that you have been saved. For He raised us from the dead along with Christ and has seated, with, and has seated us with Him in the heavenly realms because we have been united with Christ. I love this text. Ephesians, when it comes to the book of Ephesians, it's loaded. There's so much in it when it comes to our position in Christ. And the hardest part of preparing a message is actually what to exclude. We're going to look at a small part in this verse I just read out. But how about everybody, wherever you are right now, I want you to stand to your feet. That's right, everybody up on your feet right now. Because the title of my message today is Sit Down. Enoho. That's right. Sit down. That's the title of my message. There's nothing like sitting down. When you come home from work after a hard day, you know, what do you want to do? You want to sit down. And sitting down is often a relief from work. I've been working hard. I've been expending a whole lot of energy. I've been for a run. After a run, what do I want to do? I want to sit down. Uh, if we'd have full access, if we'd live in everything that God's purchased and, and got available to us, uh, what we need to learn to do is we need to learn to sit down. <laughs> People say, well, that's easy. I sit down all the time. No, I'm not talking about being lazy. I'm talking about operating from our position in Christ. So I got three questions to ask you today. First question is, where are you seated? Second question is, who are you sitting with? And the third question is, what are you sitting in? That's right, th three questions. Now, now, to sit means to rest. Now, a lot of us understand that from a physical point of view. It's like after a hard day, uh, you know, I want to rest. I want to sit down. But it's here's where we make the mistake spiritually. We think in order to sit, we need to work. We need to do something. If I'm going to reach my goal, I've got to get moving. And unless I've done some work, I don't deserve to sit. After all, you sit when the job is done. And that is correct. You know, until the job's done, we don't sit. But what we've got to understand is the job has already been done. When it comes to our salvation, when it comes to victory, healing, and our relationship with God, it's job has finished. It's already, it's already been done. See, if the outset we try and do anything, we miss everything when it comes to God, when it comes to having full access to the kingdom. See, we don't have access by, by doing stuff. There's so many people today, they live well, by the thing, if I do stuff, I will be accepted. No, you're already accepted. And to sit down is to have the right viewpoint. See, our life with Christ didn't start with a big do. It's do. A lot of people today are still trying and striving when it comes to their relationship with God. They're trying to attain the things God has in their own strength. Your, your relationship with God does not start with a big do. It starts with a big done. 
That's right, a big done. So the first question we're asking is, so where are you seated? Are you seated in a big do? Because that leads to a whole pile of do-do. Or you are seated with Christ in heavenly places. Now, a lot of people ask the question, oh, do you need to be perfect to go to heaven? And the answer to that is, yes. Yes, you do. Because the question is, can a perfect holy God allow something other than perfection into His presence? No, He can't, because then He would no longer be holy and perfect. But here's the dilemma, because the dilemma is none of us are perfect, right? Not one. A person who thinks they're perfect, they're lying. So how do you get seated with Christ in heavenly places? How could this ever be achieved by, by, by an imperfect, sinful creation? The only way that it can be achieved is if righteousness is a gift, if perfection is a gift. And you've got to understand when it comes to our Christianity, we don't earn our salvation. It's a gift. Special, uh, spiritual treasures like God's grace are, are hidden from people who are proud. They're hidden from the self-reliant and self-confident. You see, if you want full access, and full access means that there's no barriers between us and God, us and God's plan for our life, we've got to understand that every new spiritual experience, and this is what I found, every new spiritual, uh, spiritual experience begins with acceptance by faith of what Christ has done. When you accept it by faith, you have access because righteousness is a gift. You know, a lot of people think, well, I do good things. You know, I deserve. But when it comes to our righteousness, as Isaiah puts in Isaiah chapter 64, verse 6, our righteousness are nothing but filthy rags. It says we're, we're all infected and impure with sin. When we display our righteous deeds, they are nothing but filthy rags. Like autumn leaves, we wither and fall, and our sins are swept away like the wind. See, being seated with Christ changes your viewpoint. Now, if you go to a concert and you want good seats, you pay a higher price. You want an unobstructed view, that's going to cost you a lot more. Same with seats on a plane. If you go to business class, it's going to cost you more. How many know good seats change your experience? If you've got bad seats, you know, you have to look around a pole to be able to view what's going on. That's not good. Uh, sitting in business class definitely changes your flying experience. You, you want good seats. Now, last time I went to the UK, I got some good tickets to go to an English Premier League match. And I went to watch Crystal Palace play Aston Villa. And it just happens the guy in our church knows the financial director of Crystal Palace and we got to sit in his box. Now in his box, you had an unobstructed view. You could see everything that's going on. There was food there. There was TVs with the replay. It was an experience. You could see what was going on in the crowd. You also had an inside take on what was going on because as I was sitting down, I was sitting next to one person and I got talking with them and, oh, what boy you did the game today? Oh, my son's playing. Oh, who's your son? Oh, Zaha. And Zaha happened to be the best player on the field that day. And so I got talking to him, his brother. And, and not only did I see the game, but I got an inside, the inside story what was going on behind the scenes. See, that's what 
good seats do. They, they give you great access. I, I want to say right now that, that religion is a bad seat in the kingdom of God. Your, your view is obstructed and there's no power there. Self-improvement, that's a rubbish seat. But, but when it comes to, to salvation and what God has given us through the finished work of Jesus on the cross, you've got to understand there's no bad seat in the kingdom of God. And Jesus, I believe right now, is saying, sit down, sit next to me. The job's done. I've done it. This seat has already been paid for. You don't need to earn it. You just need to accept it by faith. In fact, Philippians 2 verse 8, he goes on and says, God saved you by grace when you believed. That's right, when you believed. Not when you got your act sorted out, when you believed. And you can't take credit from this. It's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we've done. So no one can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things He planned for us long ago. Right now, you've got to understand you're God's masterpiece. He's got things that He's planned for you to do. But that's going to come from a place where you're seated with Christ. When you recognise that the job has already been done. So where are you seated? Are you seated in self-improvement or human effort? Or are you seated with Christ? You often can tell where somebody's sitting by how they respond to things like bad news or failure or criticism. See, from where you're seated, you see things differently. You know, when people get bad news, so often they react, oh, what am I going to do? They, they get all stressed out, they get anxious. But when you're seated with Christ, you're seated at a higher position. And you can see beyond the bad news. In fact, Psalm 112 says that the righteous never fear bad news. It doesn't mean bad news won't come, but they don't fear it because they understand God's in control. I'm seated with Christ. He's got this sorted. Yeah, I'm going to have to work it through, but, but I know my God is able to work all things together for good for those who love Him and accord according to His purpose. Sit down. Uh, the job's done. Yeah, it's like, like God's saying right now, sit down. You've got the best seats in the house. When it comes to the schemes of the wicked, the Bible says God laughs at the schemes of the wicked. He's like, huh, you, you really think that's going to work out? Yeah, you know, I'm going to take that and I'm going to turn it around and, and you watch what I'll do. Yeah, you watch how I'll bring this together. So the first question is, the first question we're asking is, where are you seated? Second question is, who are you seated with? Well, that's obvious. I'm with Christ. Well, then, but where is He seated? He's seated in heavenly places. So, so what does that mean? What does that mean? He's in heavenly places. Is He on a cloud, sipping margaritas? What's He doing? Because we're seated with Christ. We're seated with Christ. And where is He? In heavenly places. Now, we need to go back to Ephesians 1 to understand really what that means. So let's go back to Ephesians chapter 1. Let's go back a chapter. Ephesians 1. Let's read from verse 3. I love this. All praise to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us. You know, if you sit next to somebody, you can say, He has blessed you. He has blessed us with, listen to this, every spiritual blessing in heavenly realms because we have been united with Christ. That's the benefit of knowing God. 
has, He's blessed us with every spiritual blessing. If we jump down into verse 19, this Paul, he says, I also pray that you'll understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe in Him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated Him. This is what happened when Christ was raised from the dead. God seated Him in the place of honour at God's right hand in heavenly realms. Now, if you're on the right hand of God, you're in a place of power and authority. And Paul goes on and says this in verse 21. He says, now He is far above. You just may want to say that out loud right now. He is far above any ruler or authority, or power, or leader, or anything else, not only in this world, but also in the world to come. God has put all things under the authority of Christ, and He's made Him the head of all things for the benefit of the church. Yeah, that's you and I. And the church, His body is made full and complete by Christ, who fills all things everywhere with Himself. Do you get what this means? No, no, you don't. I don't in a lot of ways. Because if I did, if I really fully understood where Christ was seated and what He had available to Him, I would live differently. Here's the deal. If the government came to you right now and said, hey, I want to get behind your dream. I want to get behind your vision. How would you live? Would you live with greater confidence? I challenge to say a lot of us would. But this is not just a government coming behind us. This is the God of the universe saying, hey, you're seated with me and I'm in this place of authority where I'm far above any ruler, any authority, any power, any leader. The others, they're not even in the same league. They don't even come remotely close. See, if you knew that, you'd, you'd understand that ultimately you could never fail. Yeah, you may have some bumps along the way. You may have some setbacks. You may have some challenges. But if you're seated with Christ, you're in a place where you're unstoppable. You're unstoppable. That, that, that thing you have in your heart will come to pass. I, I love the fact that when it comes to God, God doesn't tell us even to do stuff without giving us the power to be able to do it. And some of us right now, we've got big dreams in our heart and we're trying to do it in our own strength. But God's saying, I want you to sit down. I want to sit down because I have this and I want you to operate in my power and my authority. See, when it comes to the Great Commission, which God gave it to the disciples, but He gave it to the church in every generation, the commission to go into all the world and to make disciples of all nations, that's given to Him. But before the disciples went about fulfilling that mission, Jesus said to them, but first I want you to wait. I want you to wait for the Holy Spirit. See, our problem in a lot of places is we get a vision and a mission from God and we just go without waiting. We go without sitting. We go in our own strength. We try and achieve it in our own ability rather than sitting and resting in God. I wonder how many of us charged into 2021 go, man, I've got this vision. And we started walking, but we didn't sit. 
and we're doing it in our own strength. You know, it's often, it's like we start the year with energy, with fire, because we've got a New Year's goals and we're going after it. Oh God, I got this. And, and we go after it. And then halfway through the year, we go, oh, I'm tired. Oh God, I need your help. Oh, I've run out of energy. God, come, why not at the beginning of the year say, God, I'm going to sit with you and I'm going to see my year from your perspective and I'm going to draw strength and power and I'm going to draw everything I need from you. Because if we're to do anything significant for God, it's not by our might, it's not by our power, but it's by His Spirit. In fact, I love the story in the New Testament where Martha found herself busy in the kitchen while Mary was sitting at the feet of Jesus. The story is found in Luke chapter 10. And I like how it's said in the New Living Translation in verse 40, it says, Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. She was distracted. Big dinners are good. Who doesn't love a big dinner? But she was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come and help me. How, how many have got some family members? I'm sure what's playing out here is played out in some homes. It's like somebody's doing the cooking, doing everything while somebody's sitting down watching TV and oblivious that, that their help could be helpful. You know, just oblivious. And, you know, the person doing all the work is a little bit, oh, I'm doing all this work and they're just sitting over there. And sometimes, you know, they bang the pots together to let, let the others know how much work they're doing. That's why it was happening in this story here. You know, if we're, we're working, we want to let people know we're working. It's like when a person has to get up early to go to work and the others can sleep in. I'm sure sometimes it's like the shower door gets closed a little harder and, you know, everybody needs to know that, that look, I'm suffering here because I have to get up early. Yeah, that goes on. And that's what's happening in this story. But, and so what happens is she, she gets Jesus involved. And, and in verse 41, it says, But the Lord said to her, My dear Martha, you're worried and upset over all these details. There's only one thing worth being concerned about. And Mary, not you, Mary has discovered it and it will not be taken from her. I really, at this moment, I'm sure Martha regretted getting Jesus involved. You know, she thought she was going to get Jesus involved to sort out Mary. But in the end, she said, Martha, maybe you're the one who has the issue. You're distracted by this big dinner that you're preparing. But I'm here in the room. Yes, the dinner's good, but focus on who's present. You know, it's so easy in life to be caught up in the busyness of life that we forget our position in Christ. And when we forget our position, what we do is we misplace our priorities. I wanna say there's nothing wrong with working hard. In fact, the Bible commends it. Laziness will lead to destruction. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands, so your poverty will come upon you like a thief, like a, a, va- a vagabond. The question you have gotta ask though is, what are you working hard for? See, I'm preparing a big dinner, but who's this dinner for? It's for Jesus. You know, have you ever been invited to somebody's house and you're there with your, your spouse, your partner, and, and you're sitting in the house and, 
and the people who invited you are just so busy preparing the dinner that you're not even having any decent conversation with them. It's like they're busy doing everything else, but the purpose of the dinner was so that you could come around and get to know one another more, but that's not happening because there's a whole lot of activity. I wonder whether our lives are so full of activity that we're not growing in our understanding of who Jesus is. See, you can work your butt off and still not get ahead. In life, you can have money in the bank, you can have letters behind your name and still struggle on the inside with who you are. You can have people think you're amazing and you can have the applause of others, but still not love yourself, still be lonely. See, I wanna say there's only some things that sitting solves. And for some of us right now, what we need is we just need to sit. That's right, sit. Don't get moved, sit. And sit in the place where Jesus is. Sit, the, the job's already done. Which brings me to the third question is, is what are you sitting in? What are you sitting in? I, I got this pastor friend who loves hunting. And one time he took one of his team hunting who had never been hunting before, the hour, two hours into a trek into the bush. And the other guy says, oh, I need to go to the bathroom. Well, this wasn't gonna be an easy fix because there was no bathrooms around. And yeah, he, he had to do, yeah. Yeah, you get the picture. And so my, uh, my pastor friend says, well, the easiest way to go about it is you just hold on to a tree and crouch over and, and, and do your business. And so this guy went into the bush. He went looking for a tree. Uh, problem was he, he picked a branch that wasn't a thick branch. And so when he leaned against it, he, he actually broke the branch. And the problem was he fell back. Yeah, that's right, an ugly picture, but he fell back into his own mess. He was sitting in his own doo-doo, his own doo-doo, his own, own mess. Yeah, how often do we find ourselves sitting in our own mess? To sit down in God is to cease striving. Too many people approach God, oh, well, I'm trying to forgive, but I'm trying to overcome. I'm trying, but I'm trying to do the right thing. I'm trying, I'm trying not to get as angry. I'm trying to drink less. I'm trying not to let my insecurity rule me out. I'm trying to be a better dad, mom. I'm trying to be a better husband or wife. I'm trying, but ultimately I go back and there's a cycle that we go through. It's like, like we try, we realise that we're deficient and we try and we make incremental improvements, but we can't sustain it. And so ultimately we, we, we let go and we go back to where we were and we, we start trying again. Trying never brings about transformation. See, if we wanna advance in God, we need to learn to sit. You advance when you say, God, I accept what you've done and I put my trust in your Word. We need to say, I accept your Word and I have been raised to a new life in Christ and I am what I'm seated with Him in heavenly places. So that means I accept, I am forgiven. You know, I'm not letting the enemy bring up stuff I did 10 years ago. I'm not holding on to the guilt and the shame of my past. Come on, if we're in Christ, we're a new creation. Old things have passed away and all things have become new. I am accepted today. 
I'm accepted and loved, not based on what I've done, based on what Jesus has done and based on what He accomplished on the cross. I accept, I'm, I accept that I'm justified, that I'm loved. I accept that I am the righteousness of God. I'm no longer a sinner. So many believers, oh, I'm just a, a useless sinner. Yes, we have sinned, but my identity is not in the fact that I'm a sinner. If I've given my heart to Jesus, the Bible says I am now the righteousness of Christ. See, what sinners do is sinners sin. But what do righteous people do? Righteous people do righteous things. And it's a matter of about what viewpoint you're looking at your life from. See, I receive these gifts. How do I receive them? I receive them by faith. And God says, first, I want you to sit and enjoy all that I've done for you. It's like you're saying, don't try and obtain what I've already done. Come on, sit right now. Somebody's standing up, well, I need to do something, I need to do. No, sit, 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 boo-boo, sit, sit. We are. We know the story of the lost son, the prodigal son. He stuffed up. He took his father's inheritance and he spent it on loose living. But he came back to his father's house and he received grace. He was restored into the position of being a son. He would have been happy being a servant in his father's house, but he didn't get what he deserved. What did he get? He got unmerited favour. He got grace. Now, a lot of people finish the story there, but this is a story of two sons. And we find out that the older brother, his older brother couldn't handle what was going on. The father that, the fact that the father restored the youngest son and put a, put a ring on his finger, killed the fatted calf and had, had a party and he was mad. But here's the problem with the older brother. He had been in the father's house the whole time and he was mad at the younger brother because he was accessing what he overlooked. He had stuffed up, but he was now accessing what the older brother had overlooked. And in fact, the father said to the older brother, you've always been with me and everything I have is yours. I believe God is saying that to, to believers today. Everything that I have is yours. Whether you've been a believer for one day or, or for 15 years, because everything that I have is yours. You are now seated with me in heavenly places. Come on, let's not be part of God's house and access the benefits of being part of God's house. I believe God's given us, God, given us a pass. It's like passes to theme parks. Disneyland, if you're gonna do Disneyland, you need a two or three day pass, at least to do it right. Rainbow's Inn here in New Zealand, you only need one day. But Disneyland, you need a, a two or three day pass. Now, if you go snowboarding, uh, snowboarding, yeah, it's good to get a multi-day pass. There's passes there, but you also can get season passes, which last the whole season. But in some places, theme parks, mountains, wherever you go, there, there's such a thing as a lifetime pass. A lifetime pass. I want to say when it comes to your walk with God and your access to heaven, you don't have a one day, two day pass. You know, one day pass and oops, you're stuffed up overnight. Pass is cancelled the next day. No, you can access heaven 
and you do it by faith. You have the privilege of perpetual admission to the theme park of God's grace. And you just need to access it by faith. Some people, what do I need to do? You don't need to do anything. Come on, by faith, by faith. You've been saved by grace and it's through faith we access everything that God has for us. God's got an amazing plan and purpose for your life. But first of all, you need to sit. Sit. Oh, what do I need to do? Sit. 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 When you sit, you see things from a different point of view. First question, where are you seated? Who are you sitting with? Second question. And third question is, what are you sitting in? Come on, let's sit ourselves down in righteousness. Let's sit in peace. Let's sit in joy. Let's sit in the victory that Christ has won for us. Just right where you are, I invite you to close your eyes because I believe God wants to minister into your situation, your circumstances. Circumstance, if you allow Him. For some, it's just like, I need to accept some things. I believe there's people struggle to forgive themselves. God's forgiven you. When you don't forgive yourself, you're making yourself a higher judge than God. Today, you need to accept His Word. You're forgiven. You've been justified. You are righteous. The Bible says if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Come on, the devil's reminding too many people of what they did back then. But if you confess your sin today, He can cleanse you. Not only cleanse you, give you a brand new start. Because He's rich in mercy. In fact, His mercies are new every morning. And today you can put your trust in Him. Right now, if you don't know Jesus as your personal Lord and Saviour, friend, He's just a prayer of faith away. Today, if you open your heart to Him, He'll come and meet you right where you're at. You can strive, you can try, you can go after many different things, hoping they would satisfy the longing of your soul. But only Jesus can satisfy the longing of a person's heart. And today, if you invite Him in, you ask Him to come in and be your Lord and Saviour, you acknowledge your sin, He'll wipe the slate clean and give you a new start. Not only that, you'll have the assurance of eternity because friend, you've got to understand there's more to this life than this life and true life and true freedom and victory is found in Jesus. Today, if you just put your trust in Him, I'm gonna pray for people who don't know Jesus right now. How about you just pray this prayer along with me? Dear Jesus, I come to you today. I open the door of my heart and I ask you to come in and be my Lord and Saviour. Today I ask for your forgiveness for my sins and I recognise what you did on the cross, paying the price of my freedom. I give my heart to you. I give my life that I might find life in you. We pray this in your name. Amen.